The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Once again, Jeff Stafford over at the crib. What's up, people? Just enjoyed some dinner, and now it's time for some some podcast fun. Uh, Jeff, you did bring over... Something uh, new. Bud Light Platinum Seltzer. This is an eight percenter. With agave. With agave. There's agave in it. I, this is 170 calories. So it's a little high test. This is very, very. You, you ready? What, what flavor do you have? I have the wild berry. Okay, wild berry. We've not tried these. So. I have the citrus. So I'm going to get the nice little sound there. Ooh, what, that's a. What flavor wild berry? Here, I, I, there's, it's, it's wild berries. The stuff you find out in the, in the woods. <laughs> What you try? You ready? Those berries. You ready? All right. Rose. All right. Yep. Okay. That's not bad. I've had better. I've had worse. I don't know. It makes I'm gonna have platinum. to have a couple sips on that. Oh, you will. You'll have a couple sips and then some. The couch is always available to you, right. sir, yeah. with these eight percenters. So enough of sampling another product that will never sponsor our, our program. No, just something ever, different. <laughs> ever. A little something different to enjoy. But I, this, I'm excited about this episode because. We have a guest. His name is Adam Devine. And Adam did not pick an easy starting point to be an ultra runner. 320 pounds. Had a drinking problem. Decided he wanted to get into the world of ultra running. So he loses the weight. He's been sober for the last eight years. He even went as far as to go vegan a couple of years ago. And then he found a race called The Speed Project. 2013, there was this relay race from the Santa Monica Pier to the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. 319 miles. Started out as a relay. Oh, see, he had to upstate Vol State distance. Well, how was He had to do it. By five miles. By five miles. I'm sure you guys can talk about this. All right, all right. So this race started out as a relay. So, you know, much like the Ragnar relays around here, people, and then they decided two years ago, or last year, to allow crazy people to to do this solo. Three people did it last year. This year, seven people towed the line. And some of those people, by the way, had had uh, crews, like documentary crews following them. And fancy schmancy stuff everywhere. Sponsored and... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Adam Devine was one of those runners that towed the line. He did not have a camera crew or fancy schmancy stuff. But I'll tell you what, what he did get was an interview on the Adventure Jogger. Adam, there you welcome go. to the Adventure Jogger. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Ryan. Uh, it's great to be here. And uh, frankly, this is way better than any camera crew possibly could have been. <laughs> right. You're on a tertiary level running podcast. What more could you want? You could only hope we would be there filming, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is tertiary level podcasts are my favorite level podcast anyway. So. Yeah. You don't want to do those primary ones. Who's on yeah. Trailrunner Nation? Who knows? The same guys. They'll be there next week. You got the jogger. Yeah, I've literally never listened to that podcast. So, uh, and uh, you've been listening to yours for a couple of years now. So, this is, uh, we're good to go. Nice. I appreciate it, Adam. Before we get into this incredible adventure that you went on just recently, going from through California into Las Vegas in not the coolest part of the United States, let's go back to 320 pound Adam Devine. That was what, would you say, like eight years ago, eight, nine years ago? Yeah, uh, late 2013 is when I, I kind of, uh, I guess some people would say I would I hit rock bottom. Um, yeah. But I was, um, you know, 320 pounds. I was just getting ready to be put on my second blood pressure medication. Um, I, I was drinking a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, sure. a liter and a half of vodka a day, oh, which doesn't that, help. That's with the, a little, uh, yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, so the... Um, at that point, I was not exactly the healthiest individual on the planet. Um, but, you know, I, I decided once they, again, I realized I was probably going to be dead very quickly uh, if I kept on living the way that I was living. Yep. Yeah. Um, and but at this point, really, I don't know why I um, ended up making the decision to make the choice, you know, to, to do something right. different. But I'm, I'm just glad that I did. Something clicked. Uh, yeah, something clicked. And I decided that I didn't, 
I didn't want to die. And it's funny because it's things changed really slowly, but I didn't set out to, to make any huge changes. I just, I set out to just like make tiny little changes in the way that I was living life right. uh, each, each day. Uh, and it started with walking. Um, and, you know, I, st- I stopped drinking and, and ended up losing almost 40 pounds just walking. Um, Cause you burn wow. a lot of calories when you're pushing three bills plus. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Just walking. Um, and so did that and then, um, started powerlifting, um, as well, because, you know, as a bigger guy, it's not really fun to go outside and run and feel yourself flopping all over the place. Right. But, you know, going to the gym, you can still like pick up some decent amount of weight. So I did that and it wasn't until I got down to about 270 pounds, uh, that I, um, I started, uh, running just like little tiny little bits. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh at first sight there's a park right near my house uh called prospect park here in brooklyn uh it's got a 3.3 mile loop uh and i could barely make it like a mile into that loop before i had to stop to walk when i first started running um but you know it was a start and i was kind of happy just to kind of take those baby steps back back up back up a second what was the name of the park it's called Prospect Park. Oh, that's a um, prostate I thought, park. I thought the same Jeff's thing. I'm the, like, Jeff, prostate Jeff park. Jeff just, right. had, just had the old glove right. slapper. It's like, uh, you know, yeah. just, 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 just checking. You know, I want to make sure they got the park correct. Prostate yeah, prospect park. Prospect yeah. Park. Yeah. 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 Is, uh, it's your story, uh, whatever. Yeah. Was it was it clean, by the way? Did the doctor say <laughs> you're okay? I don't like a whistle. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> I get to look forward to that very soon as well. So uh, I'll be right there with you, Jeff. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I want to know, because I haven't gotten to that point, Jeff. Do they do they distract you before they do the old fingers up the up the Yahoo? Do they like go like, hey, let's talk about your insurance? They're like, well, it should all be blocked. Do they do they do that? Do they how do they how do they approach that? They knocked me out. They really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I had no idea. So they, before they stick the, the before the doctor sticks his finger up your colorectal exam yeah. thingy, or they stick, yeah stick the camera up there and look. Yeah, they knock you out. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Well, when I was a young man, when yeah. I had had some kind of unexplainable issue that they still don't know what happened, I had that done in my mid thirties. Yeah, at an army hospital in <laughs> Germany. And they the story just got derailed. And, and they, ah. they do not knock you out. <laughs> a large man of color handed me this black bulbous thing as he was putting the jelly on it and says, Do, do you want to do it or should I? I'm like, I'm like What? <laughs> And this is the type of content you get. Don't get on those primary. Yeah, exactly. Uh, running exactly. Exactly. Okay. So <laughs> Jeff got distracted because of prostate health. Uh, so you, you do this part. <laughs> you know, we is, are never going to get sponsored. This is good. We are content. never going to going to going to going to get out of the tertiary level of no. podcast. Why? Why would you want to? Ginger Runner is not quaking in his boots about the adventure jogger coming for him. It's just not. Yeah. Not happening. So okay. So anybody, if you're still listening, Adam's got a great story. So so you do this this run. You you go in, out and run in at, Prostate Park, at, yeah. at, Pros, at, at Prospect Park, Prospect in Park. in New York City. Um, you get a mile in, and and you got to walk because this is this is just too much. And you're 270 pounds at this point. Right. All right. Um, and like it just was one of those things where I just kind of kept going and would add a little bit, add a little bit. Um, and then uh, eventually, um, about a year into that, I decided I should probably sign up for a race, signed up for a half marathon. Um, training went okay, yeah. got to the, uh, to the race and blew up like eight miles in. Sure. And I saw all these people uh, in the park where, cause it was actually the race went through Prospect Park. Nice. Um, and uh, it was the Brooklyn half. And I saw these people in these red shirts who were, were having a great time. Yeah. And I was not having a good time at all. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I should go talk to them. So I joined, that's my, my running club, Prospect Park Track Club. Yeah. Uh, joined them. And as soon as you join a running club, especially one like, like uh, PPTC, um, like it's really hard not to get caught up into it. So right, yeah. I joined in May of 2015. By November of 2015, I uh, excuse me. By <clears throat> July, I was signed up for the New York City Marathon. Yeah. And then six weeks out from the New York City Marathon, which is the first weekend in November, 
I saw that there was a, a 60K on the, or the calendar. It was just nine loops of Central Park. Yeah. Two weeks after the marathon, I was like, you know what? I'm already going to be in marathon shape. Like, what's the worst that happens? So, exactly. Right. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly? And it turned out a lot of things went right because I ran that marathon and I realized that marathons are dumb uh, and they're real hard. Yeah. Uh, and they take a lot of time to train for and they hurt pretty badly. Yeah. But then two weeks later, I went and did the 60K and I just slowed down a little bit and I ate a lot uh, and I absolutely had a blast. And so I was like, this this is the land that I belong in, this ultra community. And I liked that everybody was kind of weird too. Yeah. Yeah, it is a different community. You talk about Central Park, and this is a, a great story someone shared with me. He was a, he was a runner. He's he's a chaplain in the army, and he was he got in the New York City Marathon. This was years ago, before GPS watches were a regular thing. So everybody would just kind of wear, you know, maybe a little Timex or something. The Iron he, Man watch, right? Wear the Iron Man watch, and so he was following along the route, and he he saw that the finish line was just past Central Park when the year when he did the New York City Marathon. And so he's not from New York City. And so Major Miners is his name. So Major Miners he was telling me about how he, he saw, okay, never been in New York before, set the, the finish line is past Central Park. And so he noticed when he got to Central Park, he's like, oh, I'm just about done. And so he started running as hard as he could thinking that Central Park is going to be just like a standard park in a neighborhood and it's going to be like the finish line is right around the corner is mine and he goes and Central Park just went on and on, on and, and on. on and he blew up he was on Boston qualifying pace and he missed qualifying for Boston by a minute because he thought that <laughs> Central Park was like this tiny little park but it's not you like, can, it's a park how big could it be right yeah. the fact you can do a 60k there is pretty impressive yeah, and, and they even use the small loop for the 60K. There's like a four-mile loop and then a six-mile loop. And right. They just use a little four-miler for the yeah. 60K. Um, but yeah, it was it was just wow. really awesome. Uh, people talk about, like, we've all read uh, Born to Run yeah. in there. Uh, he talks about how, you know, when you're running an ultra, you're running with people as opposed to when you're running a regular road race, normally you're running against other people. Right. And I just found that to be 100% the case. So... And within uh, six months after the 60K, I'd signed up for my first Trail 50, which I did in road shoes, yeah. uh, which was not exactly the smartest <laughs> choice. Uh, but things just progressed. Yeah. Uh, and I just kept on adding distance and adding, you know, more gnarly stuff. You know, I've done uh, George Death Race. I've done World's End in Pennsylvania. So, you know, some pretty, pretty heavy, like not super easy flat courses. Right. Very technical um, stuff. Yeah. Um, and it just, it just, it keeps on growing. Cause, um, you get to uh, a liter and a half of vodka every day by thinking if some is good, more is better. So I've just taken that and applied it to running. If some is good, more is better. More is better. Hey, Adam, was it harder to, to lose the weight or was it harder to get sober? Well, it kind of, they happen hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, a lot of the principles that to like, stop getting uh, to stop drinking like just think of me i don't have to stop forever i just have to like not pick up a drink today yeah like that goes right hand to hand with like losing the weight You're like i don't i never set out to lose 100 plus pounds because i never would have done so if i had made that my goal it was literally just like i need to do something better today and you know i can lose you know an eighth of a pound today i need to get healthier yeah whatever that may right. be yeah. yeah right it's that's so fascinating to to make those big changes because I know a lot of us will find the sport, Adam, and you know some of us will find it relatively in shape out of college, you know. But but your story is not unusual. There are a lot of people that do have that moment in life, and maybe it's not. I mean, maybe <clears throat> you didn't have an angel on your shoulder saying, "Adam, you're fat, you're drunk, you're gonna die. You better you, do something." You didn't have that moment, but there was something in you that clicked that was just saying, "Like, hey, hold on a minute, you've got to you've got to do something different. The path you are on right now." is going to lead to an early grave. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it, it was readily apparent. I, like I woke it up in the hospital, woke it up in jails, like that sort of stuff. And um, when, like, when it was just made that, that stark, um, my choices were make the changes or die. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it didn't be, it didn't seem it's, quite so terrifying to make the to, changes. That to that affect way. a change is something you have to want to do. Mm -hmm. You can't have someone tell you, you right, have to do this. Right. Adam, was there, was there a moment when you looked in the mirror 
and you were like, oh my God, who, I, I don't even recognize myself. It's such a massive change. Yeah, so it, it still, it still kind of happens actually to me, yeah. you know, eight years later. Um, in my mind's eye, there's still times when like it's still hard for me not to think of myself as that 320 pound, you know, yeah. drunk yep. guy. Um, and sometimes I'll see pictures of myself. Like I saw a bunch of pictures from this speed project race and I was like, wow, he's skinny. <laughs> and, like who's that skinny guy? And, and I'm, gonna, I'm definitely not the thinnest runner on the planet by any means. Um, I'm still, you know, 195 pounds most, most times. Um, but it's, uh, but it's significantly different than it was before. Um, the, it's accepting the, the new version of me is still something that's an ongoing process. Um, and it, it, it helps just continuing to hang out with other people living healthier, yep. you know, trying to be the best versions of themselves. Again, being in a running club, that sort of thing yeah. really helps with that. Are there moments though, where you look at old Adam kind of as a friend from high school that you lost touch with? So now, yes, uh, I, it's actually, it's funny. Um, my, my current girlfriend, um, her name's Melissa Dahl. She wrote a book called Cringeworthy that um, th- she wrote before she and I met. Um, and <laughs> yeah, she, we, uh, we want to point out that she did not write Cringeworthy after yeah. she met Adam. Like right. Adam is yeah. not yeah. the subject of Cringeworthy. Uh, again, it's right. it's his story. Let him tell you. <laughs> right. But the um, in in that book, she talks about how like accepting former versions of ourselves because like we feel awkward we feel embarrassed about past things that have happened to us or or the past versions of ourselves and um like trying to think about like that that version of me that 320 pound me was probably doing the best he could right um i used to have a lot of self-loathing a lot of shame a, a, a lot of just despondence about who i was and what i was uh before i made those changes and you know it's really been only probably in the last 18 months or so, probably more like just the last year um, and reading her book helped. It's uh, talking about like, think about sitting down with my former self and giving him the credit for doing the best he could. And frankly, he gave me a lot of tools that I'm using now right. to be successful <clears throat> both as a professional and as a runner uh, that I would not be anywhere near as successful as I am if I hadn't been that version of myself too so i can sit down in my mind and thank that 320 pound me um for doing what he did and you know finally making the decision to to make the changes and actually you know building some some coping mechanisms that i still use today uh, to great effect well it's fascinating when you think about just looking back at that person and the and the immense amount of strength that is necessary mental strength to go from 320 pounds to 190 pounds and to just give up drinking. I mean, that's not an easy task. That no. So you, have, you must have to look back at old Adam and go like, dude, you were an incredibly strong dude to get from you to me. Yeah. And it's um, and instead of thinking and just being like ashamed of where I got to, like I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I can be proud of the fact that I, I've, I've made this journey and, and be proud of the totality of the journey now, um, which has been really cool. So when your girlfriend writes a book and she makes you read it, was it like a book club setting? Did you have like a discussion book club <laughs> after you had to read the <clears throat> reader book? No, it's actually funny because I... Uh, <laughs> I only met her a year ago. Uh, I found out after our first date that she was a writer. Uh, yeah. And so I like looked up, I was like, Oh, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll look up some articles that she's written and then I'll, I'll read those and have something to talk about on the second date. And then I realized she'd written a book and there was an audible version. I was like, Oh, cool. I'll listen to it on a run. I thought, then you, were I realized, gonna, I thought you were going to say cliff notes. But, <laughs> no. um, I've read the cliff and, notes. <laughs> no. But she narrated it. I didn't note, note that when I yeah. downloaded it, it wasn't until I started listening to it. I was like, oh, crap, she's she's narrating this. So between our first and second date, she actually talked to me for six and a half hours, <laughs> uh, which was kind of weird. But like, it, I mean, we're still together now. So like, it must have been OK. Wow. You weren't quite sure. Second day, like, did we discuss this in the first <laughs> yeah. date or did you talk about this in your book? I feel like we've had this discussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's probably like you went on a long run with her. You were with her for a long run. 
I was, yeah. So it was actually, it was really well. It, I mean, luckily she didn't mind getting to know me because I got to know her quite well and I, I quite liked her. So, um, so it, it worked out in the end. That's, yeah, it was a little bit bizarre way to, to, to start the second date being like, ah, I listened to your book. So chapter um, two, you said some interesting yeah. things in chapter two I'd like to go over right now. Well, hang on, hang on could to the you, salad. Could you clarify that? Right, yeah. don't, hang on to the salad. We got to talk about this. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing. So what a great story and, and what a great, show of strength and I think that you know I think sometimes people forget it takes a while it took you a long time to get to that point where you were 320 pounds and to have the patience and the perseverance to go like I didn't get this way overnight I'm not going to get to this point um, overnight and to look at it really to 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 break it up into bite-sized pieces we talk about ultra running how you don't you don't look at a 100-mile race as I'm running 100 miles. You run aid station to aid station. And it really sounds like you took that approach to change, drastically changing your life. It wasn't I'm losing a 200 pounds. It was aid station to aid station. Is, is that how you do it? What? Age station, age station. That's how you do it. That's you why know, you blow I, up every time. I get That's why this, you blow up and I can't get do a sub twenty four. Every time I do a hundred, I'm not done a lot of them. But every time I do, when I get to like the second aid station, and you blow up, and I look at my watch and I'll go. Shit, I got 87 miles to go. <laughs> and that is why you blew up and haven't gone sub 24 yet. Yeah, oh, I have. I have one sub 24. Which one was that? Indiana Trail. Oh, that's right. That's the right, second that's right. Yeah, that's right. The second time you did that. So yeah, eight, eight, it sounds like that. that's like, like it was your approach. It was like eight station eight day to day. So today I'm losing. If I lose 0.7 pounds, it's a win. Yep, that's exactly it. And and but anything, any monumental task, if broken up down into small enough bite-sized pieces, just doesn't seem quite as scary. So right, that, that's definitely something I've used to not only in ultra running but also professionally, personal life, everything. I think people expect change so quickly mm-hmm. these days yeah. for the most yep. part. They're like, yeah. I, I I started this diet and I lost 15 pounds immediately, and, and and then it all came back, and I can't keep the weight off. And I'm like, well, right. how long have you been doing this? Uh, three months, right? Well, <laughs> and to know, like, I mean, like like how long? Like if you think about it, Adam. From 320 pound Adam to 190 pound Adam, that was what a year's worth of time, or six months, or it was it was not overnight. It was not overnight. I, I didn't get down. I got down to uh, probably about 240 pounds in in a year. Yeah. Uh, so lost about 80 pounds in the first year, uh, and then that last 40 pounds kind of took a little bit yeah. more time. I'd say I got down to um, probably another eight months or so before the, the, I, I got down to about 200 flat, so. So you think you've, you've reached a, uh, I'll call it a normalized or balanced weight where your body wants to be basically? Yeah, so um, last year, well, time has lost all meaning, but 2020, right. 2020, yeah. uh, the, y'all are familiar with the great virtual race across Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, so I did that uh, and I ended up doing, um, I think four crossings uh, and, um, ended up running 5,000 miles in 2020. Um, and that, uh, I got down to about 172 pounds. Yeah. And that was that was too skinny. I didn't feel particularly great. I was, uh, I was I looked gaunt. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't weightlifting or doing anything else because all the gyms are closed. I, I power lift as part of my cro- cross training yeah. still. And it's it's one of the things where I, I feel much healthier at like 190, 195 gotcha. than I do at 172, 173. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. All right, so. We got that journey out of the way. Hopefully, some folks are inspired to to make a change. I will say that I I always feel a little awkward when I interview folks that have had a drinking problem and and have sobered up. When we're a podcast that drinks fucking White Claw and you know, and, and, and the sport has a, or has a Bud Platinum, right? In this Bud case. Platinums in this case, but the sport does have kind of a the sport of ultra running has an interesting relationship with drinking. Yep. And they go hand in hand. And I, I think that, you know, you have aid stations with Fireball. I've yet to see an aid station with Bud Platinum or White Claw. We need to get that corrected. Get with the fucking program. Um, but but, but do you, is it hard for, like, how does, is that a hard part for you staying sober in a sport that is so hand in hand with drinking? So it's interesting you say that because, uh, to answer your question directly, no, uh, it's not hard at, at all for okay. me to do that. There are plenty of people that drink at these events, uh, and you know, the people. A lot of my close friends drink as part of our training together, uh, and it's I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend it to somebody who's you know 
30 days sober. Right. But, yeah, you yeah. know, by the time I got into ultra running, I, you know, I'd had uh, a little over a year and a half sobriety. So it was, you know, easier to deal with. Um, that being said, depending on whose stats you're talking to, um, almost a third of ultra runners are in recovery from some substance abuse. Right. Uh, and then another third of us are in recovery from some sort of abuse. Right. Um, and so the, it's like, you know, it's funny you mention that cause I take shit from him all the time, all the time. He's on me. Would you stop yeah. calling the authorities and saying it's right. elderly abuse? Cause <laughs> right. it's not <laughs> look at these yeah. bruises for God's <laughs> right. sakes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know most of the time when I'm out on the course, um, I, I taught, I, I used to talk about my sobriety openly, yeah. uh, and it's only been in the last couple of years that I have, because I hope it'll help somebody. Yeah. But when I'm out at a, I just did Rocky raccoon back in February. Yeah. And while I was out there on the course, fell in with somebody else who was, um, sober for a couple of years. And we had a whole talk about like how, um, one of the advantages it gives us is, I know there's nothing out on that course during a hundred mile or any other race. There's nothing that's going to be as bad as detoxing for the last time. Like yeah. going through withdrawals um, is way worse than anything. I don't, I don't care what the hardest, um, you know, races there are. Hard rock has nothing on detoxing. Yeah. Um, so like that gives me comfort whenever I know I'm feeling bad. I'm like, I've, I've done worse than this. But here's the reality. And here's what Adam has discovered. Since Adam is is probably one of the few sober people at a finish line, he gets to watch everyone else be a fucking idiot. Yeah. Here you are with your sober buddy at the finish line of Rocky Raccoon. And you're like, look at these morons. And you're just like, I got my buckle. I'm completely sober. And you've yeah. got these idiots that have had too many pale ales. And the next thing you know, they're they're confessing their love to their pacer. And it's weird. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, th there's a lot less embarrassing situations that I have to be in personally. <laughs> I get to observe all of them, and I love it. I have a great time, and I, I remember everything. You're like, you're like, oh, the stories I could tell, yeah. Oh, yeah. So It's good blackmail. It is, right. it is, exactly. Adam's figured it out, everybody. So let's talk about the Speed Project. When did this race, in, in, in 2013 was the first year of this race, and they did it as a relay from the Santa Monica Pier to the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. 319 miles when did this thing come on your radar so um i've been working uh with this this uh woman uh, jess woods is her yeah. name she's a coach i've been uh, she'd been coaching me um back in 2019 to get through i did a couple of hundred milers back to back and then was training for the chicago marathon she yeah. helped me she was one of the first three that did it last year okay um and so uh she was like hey i think you would like this insane thing because you've got a broken brain. So if you'd right. be interested, um, you know, I can uh, get you an, an invite to this because it's an invite only uh, situation. Um, it's not something where they're looking to, um, you know, have a huge crowd that's right, doing sure. it. Um, and they're looking to, to have people that have kind of like the, the mindset that, you know, this is a community we're working in and it's, you know, supposed to be kind of a fun, cool thing to do uh and and not necessarily take it overly seriously um at, at some level and so uh she you know got me the hookup and and this was back in september of last year um and so i entered when they sent out the things and uh it was one of those things where i signed up i was like sure why not um and then as it got closer I'm like, wow, what have i done is, yeah yeah this because i had done 100 milers before and i'd done right. that 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 v-rat where i you know i had averaged you know a little bit more than a marathon for uh, a little bit less than a marathon for four straight months for that but the uh per day but 300 and actually the original course was 340 miles it's there's no actual set course it's just you get point to point it's a wild right. carries. yeah yeah um and um, the, what I ended up doing was 319 miles, but there was, you know, a couple of competitors who did just shy of 300 miles this year. Yeah. And then there's the the longer course that is a little bit less technical. It's <laughs> 340 miles. But um, I'd never done anything like that. I'd never done a 200 or a stage race or anything. So it was definitely uncharted territory. Uh, but I was like, what the hell? It's probably going to be a good time. So, so let's do it. Give it yeah. a shot. And so you, you sign up for this thing and then you go to your girlfriend, the author of Cringeworthy, and you bring up a Cringeworthy idea for, for her to support you during this crazy endeavor. 
Yeah, and the actual the funny part about this is that we had been talking about doing the Paris Marathon, which was just a couple weeks, yeah. uh, just last weekend, I guess. Um, and so I had to tell her, no, we're not going to Paris. Uh, you're going to spend a week driving and following sleeping in me. an RV, following me through, you know, Death Valley instead. Um, and uh, she was, um, as all my friends have said, I lucked out uh, when I met her because uh, after just a little bit of time of adjusting to not being able to go to Paris, she jumped in and was like completely amazing about it. It was such a good sport, way supportive and uh, really in a lot of ways, yeah. her, her attitude towards it helped me uh, be convinced that this was this was something totally worthwhile doing. You know, folks, people say romance is dead. Right. You know, they say that. Where else are you going to find? Right. That, that you know, it's just you're not going to find that anymore in the world. And I, I present to you the ballad of Adam Devine, yeah. who had set up to run the the Paris Marathon with his girlfriend, the most romantic city. From the lowly beginnings of Prostrate Park. Right. Prostrate Park. And then, and then so he's going to Paris. He's like, we're going to run the Paris Marathon. We're going to have baguettes right. everywhere. We're going to kiss under the Eiffel Tower right. when we run by it. Have some wine and cheese. There's going to be some guy miming in the corner. It's going to be the most romantic thing ever. And she's all set. She's like, man, let me tell you. I may have written the book called Cringeworthy, but my my boyfriend is not cringeworthy. He's great. And then he says to her, you know what? I'm going to one-up you. We are not going to the most romantic city in the world. We're going to run to the city where you can get married by Elvis Presley right. impersonators. <laughs> and you're going to follow day me. Long. You're going to follow me in a rented RV for however long it takes. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Proof positive right there. Romance is alive and well and most romantic man in New York City. <laughs> this yeah. is Adam Devine. <laughs> right here. I mean, it's, but... She's still my girlfriend, so it must not have been. That's true. <laughs> well, hang on. If she writes, she's writing another book right now, so she's following up Cringeworthy with a sequel. What's that one called? <laughs> that's called Cringeworthy Part Two. Have you ever met Adam Devine? That's what that, that's what that book is called. And then once she gets that book done, we'll see how that goes. But no, so she, she, so she was she excited to do that, or was she like, dude, you promised me Paris, you asshole? Um, so she wasn't excited at first, uh, but she did uh, totally, like I said, she, she leaned into it and was like a total good sport about it, especially because like she doesn't drive really in the city. She'd never driven a large vehicle before. Uh, we rented a U-Haul and did an RV driving school uh, here in Brooklyn. <laughs> so I gave her some practice driving a big vehicle. Oh, um, Lord. <laughs> and like she'd never run an ultra before she's uh, and she's never crewed. So she went down to Rocky. One of the reasons I signed up for Rocky Raccoon was to give her some crewing experience yeah. and a little bit of uh, um, exposure to the, the ultra scene. Um, and it was definitely not her comfort zone, but she jumped into it. Um, luckily enough, the other two people on the crew, uh, Brian and Carmen, who are also members of, of my running club, they're part of my my ultra, like my serious ultra yeah, my family. Peoples. Yeah. Um, they helped coach uh, on an ultra marathon training group with me uh, here in, in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And um, so they, they really helped set the scene and helped you know fill her in on th on things uh and we had a couple of meetings going into it to make sure that she understood exactly what was going on so they understood frankly and that was one of the things that uh that uh melissa was like uh i don't know what i'm doing all of you uh, have way more experience and i was like i've never done this before yeah and right either they we're gonna figure it out like, but i don't like, have a clue yeah. for all of us so um but like having having the three of them work together especially before the race like it just really set everything in motion and made everything so much easier to wrap my head around because i knew that i wasn't going to be doing any of it alone um, right just like you know sobriety or losing weight or anything like i didn't do any of that stuff by myself i had right. people that were supporting me along the way um and this like just knowing that worst came came to worst like i had a good team with me that i could count on that i could rely on it, it made me feel safe going into it in a way that like when you think about running 300 plus miles it's not the safest thing to do in the world especially you know through the desert heat right um i felt like i was going to be taken care of so like i didn't have to be that scared so you get there you realize that of the seven people that are running this there's a couple of people that have camera crews following them and really nice camper setups and here you are adam divine in a rented RV with a girlfriend who's like, I've only driven a tiny little smart car in New York City, and now I'm driving this big RV 
in California. Was it one of those RVs that says RV across America on it? Uh, it was it was not one of those. It was a, actually this is a company called El Monte uh, RV who did a great job of helping. They actually rented a lot of the the RVs for not only for the solo runners yeah. but for the the relay runners that came later in the week. Um, but uh, it, it said Leprechaun, and I've got Irish descent, so I thought that was a good I, lucky sign. I was I was visualizing cousin Eddie's type of right, right, right. shitter's full. Right. Yeah. Right. But it, um, the the RV was actually the RV was pretty nice when we started. Uh, it took a lot of cleaning at the end uh, to get it back into the to get your security airport. deposit back, right? Uh, yeah, it, but it was like uh, the four of us spent a lot of time working on that it RV to get back in deposit shape. <laughs> so you called it the Love Bus, by the way. It was nominated. It was it was christened the Love Bus. Right, and so when we were talking about team colors and like themes, we thought well, like a theme. Uh, we realized that it, it had just passed Valentine's Day and there was a bunch of heart stuff that was on sale. So we're like, sweet, that's going to be our thing. <laughs> that's Pink right. and red are our team colors and we're going to get like a bunch of hearts. Um, and it also, it kind of went in with our, um, when I set out to do this, I, I knew that I wanted, uh, it, it, like it, it was, I was going to try and do some sort of service oriented. But when I first posted about it on Instagram, a friend of mine, uh, Kara said, um, are you going to do it as a fundraiser? I was like, I wasn't planning on it, but I am now. Uh, and so we used used it as a fundraiser for Back on My Feet and ended up uh, raising almost $6,000 for that organization that combats uh, homelessness through running. So they, oh, wow. they help people who are getting, uh, who are in like three-quarter houses, um, they put them in, in running uh, groups yeah. and that helps facilitate, you know, reaffirmation back into society after they get out of rehabs or jail or whatnot. Yep. And so the act of physical activity helps, you know, give discipline and, and uh, structure to people's lives in a way that's hugely beneficial. Oh, that's so fantastic. I, I, yeah. So I, I felt very uh, personally grateful to be able to, to do this, not just as an ego thing, um, but as a fundraiser as well. So kind of turn tied into the love bus uh melissa had the great idea of putting these giant qr codes on the sides of the rv so yeah. people could could use the qr code to go to the fundraiser and we got people just like in truck stops and in vegas like people were just snapping the qr code and donating to the to the cause so it was it was actually um it, it was exactly the type of emotional atmosphere i think that helped set me on the path of success what's the program called again that you raise money for it's called back on my feet okay what an yeah. amazing, what an amazing organization to yeah, use running really to get people. That's, that is so cool. What a great place to, to raise money for. Okay. So you get to the start line and it's seven people. There's a lot of relay people. So there's people in tutus are all happy. They get to run 20 miles and take a three day break. And then there's you. Well, the, actually the relay starts on Friday. We started on Monday. Uh, oh, okay. The idea is that everyone ends at the same time. Right. So it was just, it was the seven solo runners and there was one group of, uh, one, uh, two person relay team who started with us solo runners. They're both, um, uh, the UK, uh, British, uh, veterans who had been injured in the line of duty. And so they were allowed to do it as a, as a two person relay. Um, so it was, you know, eight teams, seven gotcha. solo okay. and this two person, uh, team. And we just set off. It was, it was kind of anticlimactic because you get to the, get to the line and Go. they do a countdown and then you start and then immediately I'm by myself. Like we <laughs> right. just kind of disperse <laughs> right, right. because there's no course. Like everybody takes different turns. Right. Um, but there was like, it was funny because I was right behind a guy who had like his personal cameraman on like a, like a electric skateboard following him, like videotaping his every move. Uh, and there were three of the other teams had again, like, professional videographers right. who were there to document everything. And it was just like my mom and dad had come up from San Diego. And so it's like my mom and dad, and my girlfriend and two buddies. And it's just like, it, it just it definitely felt like we were the ragtag bunch. Um, <laughs> right. But it was, um, but like, whatever, like, uh, like I was out, out there to have fun. Uh, so why not? Like we just kind of went out and did it. Um, but it, but again, like I said, like, I ran behind the guy with the camera skateboard uh, for probably a mile uh, before I lost sight of him. I'd be trying to jump on that. Then right, right. And then I was just by myself uh, for pretty much most of the next four days. So, so Adam, it's interesting that you it's, it's a wildcat race. And so they're like, here's the start point. Here's the end point. You figure out how to get here. How did you plan your route out? 
so <laughs> for the most part, I literally just went into Google Maps and I said, uh, Santa Monica Pier, welcome to Las Vegas sign. Yeah. What's the shortest walking distance? Um, and so that plotted out kind of a rough uh, course. And then I just went through and kind of changed things to um, to accommodate it. I knew that um, I wanted to stay in L.A. proper for as long as possible because, you know, there'd be more bathrooms and right, uh, sure. restaurants and stuff. Facilities, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and then um, also because I didn't want to have my crew out on like some super narrow, you know, secondary roads, and, right. you know, before they, they, they needed to be. Um, but there were a couple like little, little things that were my experience. So I'd done some trail running on the PCT and I knew that there was this place like east of um, Pasadena in a place called Cajon Canyon where like google maps said you couldn't run and i'm like you could totally run there right uh and so i was able to just like piece together like i'm a trail runner i know right <laughs> yeah and like i had to go in a tunnel underneath the freeway but like whatever i i i've been in that tunnel before so right like, okay. yeah. the tunnel yeah. the freeway, um and pop out the other side and so there was i was able to stitch together existing trails and again some of the people who were doing this were more road runners than mm-hmm. yeah. trail runners me knowing that like there's very few places i strap on my trail shoes there's very few places i can't get right uh, right. i knew that i'd figured out so i was able to stitch together and it was just using gmap speedometer and google maps and just kind of looking at the satellite images and being like there's no road there but i can see from the satellite there's an atv trail there so i I can run there um and just kind of put it together and it took the better part of probably two and a half days working on that to stitch together but i was able to get something that was about 302 304 miles so you made a gpx Uh, route yeah um actually i didn't use a gpx route i just used google maps um and um carmen uh, was my crew chief she did a, a great job of kind of organizing it in a way that had like we plotted out all the places where there were walmart's because Walmart will allow you to park an RV for as long as you want. Right, right. Yeah. And if oh, Walmart shoot. doesn't have it, you don't need That's it. That's the truth. You don't. Exactly. So we used Walmarts as, as places to park the RV uh, when they were resting and also to resupply. Uh, we you know, plotted out specific truck stops that would be good uh, to kind of use as aid stations. Um, and then just like as we got further east and it's you know more and more remote, um, we were just basically like, there's a place where two roads cross where the RV can get there. And that's just going to be where we're going to have the aid station at that point. Wow. That's a yeah. lot. That's a lot of work. And it's, a, and you think about this in a normal race, everyone's running the same course. So you will encounter people at some point. You will see a crew at some point with everyone kind of planning their own way. And this is, boy, the more you talk about this wildcat race concept, that is really cool. I like it. Yeah, like, I like, you, I like that. Here's the starting point. Here's the end point. Figure out how to get here. Um, you you really, you are alone. You were one mile behind the guy with the skateboard going, oh, yeah, give me some B-roll. You tie on your shoes. And then all of a sudden, it's just they, you. Uh, they kind of yeah. do that with, it's kind of a spinoff adventure racing on trails where like, okay, you're here. You got to get there. You pick the best possible route to get there. It's up to you. That's really cool. Yeah, the only difference is that, uh, and I think I might have actually used the wrong term. I'm sorry. I don't think it's wildcat. I think it's alley cat. Alley cat. Okay. Alley cat. But right. um, the because um, um, I know somebody's going to be listening to this podcast just losing their mind. Over it's that. alley but cat. You stupid Jew. Yeah. <laughs> the um, but unlike some of those adventure races on the trails, like there's a limited number of options, especially yeah, yeah. like in LA. There's like a million different options of where you can go. Right. And like, I kind of leapfrogged one other runner a couple of times. Um, the woman who ended up coming in third, but other than that, like I didn't, I didn't see any of the other competitors except for at the start line. And then at the pool party on Sunday, after I'd already been done for three days, like it was just one other runner was the only other uh, competitor that I saw the entire four days I was running. Is that, did you think that helped you kind of just run your own race? Or do you think it was kind of a negative to not have these? There's no pressure from anyone else. Right. There's no one, there's no lights behind you. There's, you don't know where anyone is. Yeah. So um, it's funny because the only time that I knew that I was close to somebody else was uh, Tuesday night. So um, Monday, we started at 4 a.m. I ran about 85 miles the first day and then rested. And then got up and ran through Tuesday. Um, 
I got to about 112 miles um, as the sun was coming down on Tuesday. And I, um, one of the, the leaders dropped out because he had an Achilles injury. Yeah. Um, and I knew that he was kind of like one of the favorites. He dropped. And then um, I knew that there was only one person really ahead of me and she wasn't that far ahead of me. Um, and I kind of lost my mind and reeled off 77 straight miles through the night <laughs> without stopping to, to rest. Like I would just stop to like pull into the RV and like refill basically just like you would at a hundred miles. I gotta go, I gotta go. Bottles yeah. and, food. and my crew, I mean, bless their hearts. They were like, we would like to rest. Like, what is wrong with you? Uh, Could you stop for about an hour, maybe? Exactly. They were like, uh, and by the end of it, they were just like haggard because I just ran them rough yeah. through the night. Um, but I did the 77 miles. And in that in that night portion, I passed um, the only person who was in front of me. Um, and um, that was the that was the best I felt the entire time was when I had somebody to chase. When yeah. I felt like there was a little bit of a competition. Um, I put, I went from being about nine miles down, um, on her, her name was Stephanie, um, great athlete, Stephanie Bishop. Um, she, um, I, I passed her, but then I put up like 25 miles on her in that stint. Yeah. Um, as she was slowing up, she was dealing with some injuries too. And after that, like, That's... I didn't really feel any pressure for the, for like two more days. I was just kind of out there in front. Um, and so at some level it was actually, it was kind of hard to motivate myself to keep going. <laughs> I was still having fun, but like, no, when you get lows, like needing, needing that motivation, right. like I, I don't have anybody chasing me down. I got to ask you, having done Vol State, did you have to report in daily or anything like that at all? Um, so we had on our phone, we were required to have our phones on with uh, sharing our location with the race director the entire time. So he, could, he would know where we were okay. All right. constantly. Um, and they were doing updates on Instagram Live at 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 5 p.m., where they would update you know the people following like where all the runners were, and they would show like a, a map that would show where the runners were. Um, it's funny because they, they were trying to build the drama and say that that like the people who were behind me weren't that far behind me. They were right. like, oh, they're like five to 10 miles. And I'm looking at that map and I'm like, I just ran from there. I know that's like 25, 30 miles back right, there. Right. But they were, they were just trying to build the drama for for, for the Instagram crowd. So it's, it's interesting because it. in Vol State, you have to report in twice a day, yeah. seven in the morning, seven at night. And, and usually Laz, he posts updates throughout the day of, of where people are at and blah 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 and you're you're like you might have been you're following along as you're walking because you you do walk some i mean you don't run the entire distance and you're reading these updates and you go oh it looks like i'm in 20th place and the next update you're like how did i get to how did i get to ninth I didn't. I didn't pass anybody. Right. How how is yeah. that possible? Right. Well, they were sleeping somewhere, and you didn't know you passed them, or whatever the case may be. You know, it's just it's really weird. Yeah, yeah. and it was kind of like that when I because um, when I was the first day, I was just like whatever. I didn't. I didn't go into this race thinking I was going to win. I wanted right. to go out there and have a good time. No, exactly. Um, yeah. Like there were people out there with much more. Uh, you know, uh, I mean. There's a guy who has like a 228 marathon. I'm a very happy with my 309 marathon, but I'm not a 228 marathoner. Uh, you know, people who have won 100 mile races, people who are out there, you know, sponsored athletes, yeah. people who have major running shoe companies giving them money to be an athlete right. for them. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just some joker from Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it wasn't to like, like I was actually on the plane where I was like, you know what? I, I'm really good at suffering. It wouldn't be the weirdest thing if I won this. Um, but it wasn't until after that 77 mile stint when I like I, I kind of put my di put some distance. Yeah. I was like, "This is my race to lose." At right. This point. That's so, it. Uh, so that's got to be a weird feeling too, Adam, because you know, just looking at your old sign up, you're 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 a successful runner. I mean, but you're you're a middle, you're front middle of the pack runner. I like to think I'm at the back of the front of the pack. Yeah, back of the front of the pack, front of the middle in that in that area there. But all of a sudden, it's got to be like. Oh shit! This I, must be what Walmsley feels like <laughs> at Western yeah. States. It's totally bizarre. I've never won a, a race ever. Like I, I podiumed at a race once where it was like a typhoon and like the rain and half the field dropped out. Uh, and I came in third. <laughs> right. But the um, 
uh, I've never won. I've never broken the tape at anything. Um, and so it was kind of bizarre to be out in front, especially out in front so early and knowing that I had such a big gap and that I was still feeling good and that the, some of the other runners were struggling. It was it was kind of a bizarre place to be. Wow. So you, you, you take the lead. You know, you're, you're, you're a couple days into this thing. How does the rest of the race go till the finish? It's funny. I only had one real low point about 240 miles in i i set out to to do like a a a 40 mile segment or so yeah um and the first leg of that was a 12 mile trail that i thought was going to be like a a dirt road and it had become it it ended up being like a sand road yeah it was like running through a beach it was just super silty like thick sand yeah um and what i thought was going to take me about two and a half hours almost took me four hours um and it just tore up my my hips and my knees yeah. and my ankles real bad running in the sand and so i basically crawled into the rv laid down in my little bunk and just cried for for like 20 minutes um and that's the emotional uh, mile there yeah. yeah 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 it was it was a real low point and it was the only point that was the only point where i was like i i don't know if i if i could do this but again my crew jumped in the action they shoved some food in my face. They gave me a falafel and some French fries. Uh, Melissa, while I was eating those French fries and, and uh, falafel, a uh, face down on the bunk. Uh, Melissa was hitting my legs with a Theragun. Um, and then they let me sleep for like two and a half hours. And then they got me up and they put my pack back on me and they sent me back out. I said, get out. Uh, and I just kept on going. But they, they did everything. Every, I, I cannot express my gratitude to my team any more strongly because every single time something would start to go wrong or some, or I would get in a little bit of a negative headspace, they said everything that, exactly the right way. They did everything that I needed them to. They gave me the food that I needed. They told me just lay down and sleep for two hours, um, especially because they had never done this before either. Like it was just an amazing performance by them because I, I, I would have, I would still be out there in the desert if I was doing this by myself. Um, they just did such a great job. Little did she know when you told her, like, yeah, guess what, Paris? Not doing that Paris. Not happening. You are going to see me crying in a child's bunk bed in a camper. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> and you're going to like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No kissing under the Eiffel Tower. No baguettes. It is going to be me sobbing. I'm going to smell. I'm going to smell worse than you've ever smelled another human being. And I'm going to be in a children's bunk bed in a camper sobbing. And you are going to be taking a vibrating gun and rubbing it across my legs. And this is going to be the most fun you're ever going to right. have. I mean, she is a saint. It's great memories. Yeah, she is. Um, and the best part about it was because they never really invested in my my misery yeah. in the way that you could. Um, they kept up beat. It allowed me to recover from that. And after that, like I was still dancing on the trails and like. Um, you know, singing songs to yeah. myself or singing songs with my, my crew. Um, one of the things that we did, uh, Melissa and I got matching pink manicures. Nice. Uh, before, again, pink being the yeah. color. And one of the things I would do uh, whenever I started to feel like a little bit down is I would look at my, my fingers and I would do like little jazz hands and be like, this is fun. In your intro <laughs> to your podcast, you're like, running's supposed to be fun. Right. Like, yeah. we, sh- we, sh- we get to do this. And so it was a great reminder to this, like, this is a fun thing that I get to participate in. Uh, with all these other amazing people, uh, so it was it was it was easy to to it, when I did get down, kind of snap back out of it and come back in. Maybe, and, and maybe I'll back. maybe I'll do the manicure and petty for for all state. This I year. think you should. That might work. I, you know what? That we're, might work. You know what we're gonna do? Evelyn's gonna paint your your nails black for for Vol State black. Yes, yeah. Evelyn is gonna paint your nails before Vol State. That are could you, be interesting. Are you seriously in for that? I, I might be down for are, that. Can Evelyn dye your hair too? Why don't you Ooh. both dye your hair black for Vol State? You would look like quite a bit younger man with black hair. Shave that goatee Ooh. and just yeah, you'd look like you're forty. You look like no, you're no, no. thirty. No, just do the goatee too, like just for men. Yeah, no, the whole thing. Yes, we're gonna just for men the shit out of you. It's gonna be great. <laughs> That's your sponsor you've been looking for. <laughs> oh lord, it's just for men's new, just for Jeff. Yeah, hairstyling. It's gonna mm. be great. That's so cool. What was it like when you approached the finish line? Here you are dealing with this fact that now you're you're winning this thing. You've been winning this thing for a while. And you've had your moments of self-doubt. You've had your, your dark moments. But then the finish line's in sight. 
there you are. This epic journey that you're on, these 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 into life, Vegas. Yeah, these life changing days are about to be over, and there's that finish line. What were you like at that point? Well, it's funny because at some point I got in my head, I was like, I want to finish on Thursday. Like, so like I was approaching the, the finish line. If I averaged like an 1130 mile over the last 40 miles, like I would be able to, to finish on Thursday before midnight. Sure. Um, and then like, as I was doing that, like I kept pushing myself and I realized I was getting kind of angry and kind of salty and my pacers kept on having to like try to bring my spirits back up. And finally I was like, I don't care about Thursday, really. This is right. an arbitrary goal, arbitrary goal that I made up during the middle of this race for no reason. Yeah. I, I, w- I will still be able to be less than four, you know, total days, less than yeah. 96 hours. So I was like, you know what? Let's have fun. Let's enjoy this last, you know, bit. And so, like, we crested the hill and you can see the lights of Vegas. Yeah. I got to run the last, like, 14 miles uh, or so uh, with Melissa as we came up the, the strip. Um, I was in a lot of pain at that point, but I was able to do like little intervals where I would like run for a quarter mile and we actually got some pretty good paces, like, um, uh, but then walk for, you know, a quarter mile just to try and eat it up just to get to the finish line. It did kind of feel because I don't know if anybody else is running the desert, like you can see forever. So I could see the lights of Vegas (laughs) from a very far (laughs) distance away and it felt like they weren't getting any closer for a while, but you know, you just... Just like we were talking it's, about earlier, you just do a little bit at a time and then you get there. It's kind of like during the 100-mile race, you hear that aid station. Right. Yep. Uh-huh. And you've yep. heard it. You've been listening to it for about an hour now. You're like, where in the hell is that <laughs> right, aid station? Right. That's right. Yeah. I, I've heard it 100 times. Where is it? Yeah. Um, and then, you yeah, like you see more and more cars and, and everything else. And um, the... Uh, the funny part was, is like, so like I, I see the lights of Vegas and, yeah. I, and I, I've been to Vegas before. So I kind of knew where the sign was in relation to all the other stuff I could see. And we're getting, we're getting uh, about a half mile from the finish line from the, from the sign, Brian and Carmen jumped in as well. So Brian and yeah. Carmen and Melissa are all running with me. Um, and we, we've run, we break into a sprint with like 400 meters to go. And we get to the sign and there's a giant tour group in front of the sign. <laughs> so, and they're all taking pictures. So I can't actually like run up and touch You're the like, sign. Right, so, excuse right. me, excuse me. Yeah. Would you get and out of the way? They don't know what, I mean, it's one o'clock in the morning. They don't know right. better. Right. Um, right. Um, but um, Jess Woods, uh, my former coach who got me in the race, she was at the finish line kind of doing the, the, the video. And so again, knowing that I don't drink, I kind of, ask please don't spray me with champagne like you're doing the other people oh, right. just because like wouldn't be right. the greatest thing in the world for me um so she uh one of the things that i i, I did as fuel was i, I drank monsters yeah uh, like the full sugar monsters yeah. uh along the course um monster if you're looking for a sponsor uh, an athlete to sponsor please because uh, you know all the executives of monster are listening yeah, right. to the adventure jogger if so, you like, are adam divine needs your sponsorship that's they a great, a great the partnership they do they yeah, i get emails yeah. from those guys all the no, that's time. silver singles so, don't convince but, uh, them. Uh, uh, <laughs> jess uh, was at the finish line instead of champagne she cracked open a monster and sprayed it all over everybody so uh, that was good um and, and uh, then I, I laid down and the totality of what had just occurred kind of slowly sank over me. Um, and I descended into like, just like a, like a state of non-being for a little while, which was. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Zombie. Uh, yeah. Total. Like just, I, I would, I had like a little bit of the, you know, if, if you run a hundred miler, you yeah. get like the shivers. Yeah. Like I had that, but worse. Um, and really the, the weird thing was uh, like, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that like I didn't have to run anymore. Like like I didn't didn't have any further to go. What, right. am, I, what am I gonna do? Right. Yeah. I was like, my life has become running and the RV, and that's right. all of my existence. And now just and now, it's, now there's nothing. And there was kind of an empty feeling um, afterwards. And I actually I talked to Coach Woods about it the, the following day because I was like, this is like, I feel kind of weird. Especially like I was I was expecting to be much more happy. Yeah. Having won. Right. Um, but it was just, it was kind of a, like a weird void feeling uh, for a little bit afterwards. Um, it's got to be a so. primal state of existence. And, I, and I've heard people that have done these longer, much longer races where yeah. you, you, you take yourself out of your day-to-day world. You're no longer Adam Devine, the guy who works here and the guy. You are just this being moving on foot from point a to point b and all that matters is okay i see the rv i need to eat i need to drink that sort of thing and you take yourself out of your regular world and you 
you really are, are just kind of stuck with yourself. All you have is you and your thoughts and your doubts and your struggles. And then that's it. That's all you have. And when you overcome this thing, when you, you, you bite off this tiny little thing piece by piece, then when it's all done, what do you have? I'm sure you felt very similar, oh, yeah, Jeff, when yeah. you were done with Fall State. Yeah. It was just kind of like, okay, this has been my existence for the last four or five days. My body's adjusted. My mind is, what do I do it's now? It's very surreal at the end. You're like, well, what now? What was that? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> what, what do I yeah. do? So it actually kind of, it, it was helpful in some ways that it was Las Vegas because a lot Las Vegas is a make-believe yeah. land anyway. Right, it is. Um, yeah, it's not real. So, yeah, so... Um, As opposed cool, to Ball so State where you finish in a cornfield at a rock. Right, yeah. You're yeah. like, yeah. Uh, where, where's the lights? You know, yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit different. Um, but the, um, it was cool because, you know, I because I got to Vegas... Uh, over a day earlier than I, well, I read about a day quicker than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, uh, my team got an extra day to kind of relax in Vegas, which was great. Um, and then there's a pool party at the end where the relay runners start on Friday morning and then kind of everybody gathers on Sunday right. afternoon at a pool party uh, at a Vegas, the Vegas casino. Um, and that was kind of like a cool way to like put a cap on everything yeah. and kind of like reacclimate yeah. to like society in some way, like yeah. being around people. And um, it was kind of cool. Cause like, again, I'm a dork. I'm a, I'm a huge nerd I, that I run uh, ultras and I'm not one of the cool kids uh, in the running community in New York. Definitely not. But like, it was cool. Like being in the pool party and be like, Oh, you're Adam. You're, you're the guy that won. And I'm like, like yeah, yeah, that's me. That's, that's me. right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> back up, back up. One, one yeah. selfie at a time, please. Right. One selfie at a time. Yeah. And Melissa was so grateful to have that pool party because it was kind of like that Diplo, some famous DJ who I had never yes. heard of, yeah. was playing. Um, and um, and like it was very much like this trendy pool party atmosphere that she got to partake in. Maybe took a little bit of the sting away from not being able to be in Paris, but she got to hang around uh, and, and be kind of a, a rock star too. Uh, and it, it was a lot of fun to get to participate again in, in that. Right. When Diplo was spinning his records and doing what Diplo does, she almost forgot about the sobbing man child <laughs> in the bunk bed of the trailer that she's stuffing falafel down. It, or yeah. was it falafel? Yeah, fa- yeah. A falafel sandwich. It was yeah, great. falafel sandwich, and yeah. then r- running a, a Theragun down his leg. She almost yeah. forgot. There's another that. potential sponsor for you there, right there, Theragun. So I'm just saying, yeah, you know. trying. Um, and the other thing that was cool is uh, it was only at the pool party that I, I became aware. Uh, I talked about passing that woman, Stephanie. Yeah. Uh, the second place woman actually was another woman named Shelby. Uh, Shelby passed. Stephanie, with 800 meters to go. Oh, wow. Oh, race. oh, that's crazy. That is nice. And yeah. ended up finishing three minutes ahead of her. So the, the second place woman, the third place woman, finished within three minutes of each other. Wow. She's after like, four days, five hours and change. She's like, I was robbed. <laughs> right. I was robbed. Yeah. But I mean, it was really cool because like in some ways, like I wish that I had had kind of that because yeah. they kind of knew that they were kind of neck and neck um, for a while. And they kind of, I think they pushed each other because they both broke the, the women's record by like 20 hours. Yeah. Um, and the, I ended up breaking the, the men's record by about, about the same, but like, I, I kind of feel like if I had been pushed a little bit more, like it could have been, uh, I, I could have gone a little bit faster, but they got, they just had the epic, uh, the race to the finish. Um, yeah. And also, it didn't surprise me again two women there were seven people who started yeah. three people dropped out they were all dudes and two women came in second and third because as you I mean camille heron according to walter whenever they're doing these like 200 mile races yeah. and whatnot they're they're at the front uh, um, i think women just in general are probably a little bit tougher than dudes well i just want to say this i want everyone to put something into perspective here when when walmsley set the western states course record he broke Timothy Olsen and then Rob Carr's record by I think 15 or 20 minutes 30 minutes maybe tops Adam Devine crushed the the, the speed project course record by 20 hours I just want to point that out there just 20 hours just a guy from Brooklyn a mere 20, 20 hours. hours breaks a course record by 20 hours Come on, let's get him. Just, just, just saying. Come on, everybody got their picture taken you know with Diplo and Adam Devine. You, you, you met, you met a superstar. You know what you need to do? You need to come try Ball State or Hots, one of those two races. 
I think you'd I, I think you'd like it. Um, I, I'm not actually. Oh, wait, heart uh, heart of the south. Is, heart of the south. Yeah, I, I think is, I'd probably give that a shot. Yeah, Hots is very similar to Ball State it, with well with two major exceptions. The route for Hots is not known until the night before the race, and there are no what they call road angels on the course because they don't know what the course is. There. So you're um, totally on or your you own. Or you bask in the glory of this epic win and just call it a quit. Call it quits. Or you can do that. Do some five days. Yeah. But part of me, part of me, kind of like doesn't ever want to do anything approaching this because like <laughs> it's pretty cool to like like 100 percent of the time that I've run a race like this, I've won and set the course record. He's so like, I'm like, happy with my 20 hour <laughs> right. lead. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Adam Devine, what, what do you do now? Have you signed up for anything else for the rest of the year? Um, I, so I'm running Breakneck, Breakneck Marathon, which is one of the hardest trail marathons yeah. in the country uh, in a couple weeks. And then I'm doing two 50-mile races in back-to-back weeks in early May. And then I'm doing uh, and my first triathlon. I'm doing an Ironman because why go for a short one to start right. in July? Uh, gonna, I've been making fun of triathletes for a couple of years now. Uh, so I figured might as well, you know, put my money where my mouth yeah. is and, and figure out how 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 that goes. Um, so I'm going to be running Lake Placid Ironman. Um, so yeah, just so not that much left on the calendar. For, are you, go, are also, you going? Are you going to go for the 20 hour course lead in the Ironman competition? Uh, <laughs> definitely not. My, my goal is not to sure. Do that. Why not? Right. <laughs> Adam Devine, thank you so much for for joining us on the Adventure Jogger and just sharing this absolutely incredible story. Thank you so much for having me. It's been nice. a pleasure talking to you both again. This is a lot of fun. All right, adventurejogger.com. We got back episodes there waiting for you. Also, there's Adventure Jogger gear if you want to join the race team. Get it. There's race team shirts right there waiting for you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search the Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.